Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zetner Geology Podcast, Episode 93, Foster Cooley. Thanks for listening. Hey, I know last time I did one of these was not that long ago, and it was called Jerome and Sky, and I was talking about these huge Ice Age flood features and an area of Washington that I didn't know much about, and I think I said in that last radio episode, hey, I'm going to close the close the book on this Ice Age floods thing. i got to start th- thinking about paleomagnetism and other things. I don't know if I said that or not, but I, I said I was going to wrap up the Ice Age floods deal. But uh, this is an Ice Age floods episode. <laughs> because I had some big thoughts yesterday. I don't know how much longer I'll be dwelling on them, but um, it was a good day yesterday in the field at a place called Foster Cooley. So we are going to talk a little geology. We're going to talk a little bit about public outreach with geology field trips in the manner that we have been doing them here in Ellensburg for 15 years. And uh, maybe I'll touch on a few other things I've been doing uh, since I last checked in with you. What was that? Jerome and Sky episode that was June 3rd, and now it's June 13th. Okay, yeah, so a little more than a week since I've visited with you. Hey, look at me. It wasn't three months since the last episode. Daddy's proud of himself. Okay, moving on. Uh, Foster Cooley. You know, if if you're aware of the Ice Age floods, and most of you are here in the Pacific Northwest, I think you know what a coulee is by now. It's a, it's a box-shaped canyon, vertical walls, horizontal or flat floor, carved in basalt. The Grand Coulee is the most famous. Moses Cooley is interestingly related to our topic today, the details of which I'm still trying to work out. That's also part of what I'm reporting on here today. But the point is there's there's these, I don't know, handful, maybe a couple of dozen sites that everybody kind of repeats and is part of books and maps and posters and stories and field trips. You know, there's there's these key places. All right. Well, I've been doing Ice Age flood stuff long enough where I don't know if I'm that excited about those places. They're all pretty familiar. Doesn't feel like they're holding tons of secrets. Ah, that's wrong to say that. Uh, let me, let, I'm just saying that, you know, just from my point of view where I'm trying to share interesting research in beautiful places, I don't know, I've kind of covered the places that I feel like need to be covered, including Glacial Lake Missoula's floor. Um, okay. This place called Foster Cooley has not been on my radar screen. And I have a personal... Uh, intersection with Foster Cooley because I've been closely associated with a guy here on campus by the name of Carl Loquist. So this is, yes, it's called Foster Cooley, but I think it's also a Carl Loquist show. So Carl with a K, a couple years older than I am. He's been at Central teaching geography, different building, but we used to be in the same building. Uh, for many decades, almost as long as I have. And in fact, his connection with Central Washington University goes back further than me because he was an undergraduate student back in the 80s uh, and also played baseball and football here at Central and the whole thing. So he's he's got a long 
lived connection to this place. And yes, I'm in that stage of my career where there's not a whole lot of us left, it feels like, especially recently. There's retirements left and right. Um, just feels that way, but it's, I guess it's more than just feeling that way. It, it's real. And so, you know, you devote a substantial portion of your life to a particular institution. You have some allegiance. And in Carl's case, it goes back further than me. Okay. I mentioned Carl because he led the field trip yesterday. And you're like, well, field trip? I would have gone on that. I listened to all your stuff. I would have been there immediately. Well, it's kind of by design that uh, uh, we're doing it in the old way, which means... I have an email list, and it used to be called the Ellensburg chapter of the Ice Age Floods email list. And then since I've been doing more and more of my own stuff, we've changed it to it's just an outreach list, basically, not particularly tied to the Ice Age Floods Institute. Okay, I'm getting hung up on some details. Get to some major points, boy. Well, that's kind of the theme of the episode, if I have to say it that way. Interesting complimenting myself again. Bijou's sitting here uh, on the bed. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, you're like a first-time listener. What? Bijou, is that some code? Bijou's laying here on the bed? Um, yeah. Major point. Foster Cooley potentially is a major feature and an understudied portion of the Ice Age floods. Oh boy, that sounded dramatic. Why? Because I was up there yesterday and I saw a couple things that surprised me? Yeah, as a matter of fact. But you know what I've been doing the last month, especially if you listen to the last radio episode talking about Jerome Lessman. Oh my God, are we going to talk about that guy again? That's you saying that? You know, I've been doing tons of videos and I guess the last radio episode uh, highlighting the work of Jerome Lessman and Sky Cooley. But the idea is an attractive theme for me, and that is undervalued or poorly recognized key locations that are just overlooked. And I don't know, I'm pausing now because I'm, I'm almost kind of wondering why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, spot this, I thought this was supposed to be about Carl. It will be, but I, I guess I'm starting to, I'm going to go visit Merle Beck on Saturday, by the way. So Merle Beck is a long overlooked scientist, whole career in paleomagnetism. I'll stop there because I'm sure there's an upcoming radio episode after I visit with Merle and do another interview with him. And that's my springboard back into this Baja BC thing as I prep for this coming winter. But I'm pausing because I'm realizing kind of a theme without, it wasn't intentional, but I'm starting to see that certain geologists who I think are very good and don't necessarily have a major platform in an area that is poorly understood, whether that's physically, like Foster Cooley, or not physically, like the field of paleomagnetism, I guess I'm drawn to these cats. 
And in today's episode, it's not Jerome Lessman, but is thinking about some of the stuff I saw in the Okanagan with Jerome that I was seeing yesterday. Okay, I'm finally to the main thing I want to say. Carl Loquist, he lives a block away. He's got two boys. We have three boys. They're, all those boys are best friends with each other. Uh, Liz and Nancy, Carl's wife, are, are close friends. Um, I've been hearing about Foster Creek and Glacial Lake Foster, and yeah, I'm going up and doing more work in the Foster Creek area from Carl over the years. I never cared that much about Foster Creek, to be honest. Glacial Lake Foster. Really, even the Waterville Plateau. And because of the timing of this, and I, I gently tried to get into it with Carl on the way home. A dry, you know, it's a long drive up there. It was just a day trip. I should say where we are, by the way. So if you if you want to get on Google Maps, uh, we're kind of talking about an area. Well, you can just type in Foster Creek, I suppose. So there's, I don't even know the details of it quite yet, but there's like East Foster Creek. There's West Foster Creek. There's a couple of different forks. Uh, we're, we're in northern Washington. We're immediately west of the Grand Coulee. Our first stop yesterday was just south of Lehigh, or, or Leahy, I guess, like Frank Leahy, the Notre Dame football coach. Leahy Junction, Mansfield, Washington to the south, Bridgeport, Washington to the west. Okay, so so we're kind of near the Columbia River kind of up in the neighborhood of Grand Coulee Dam, but this Foster Creek watershed or whatever, and Carl's a geographer, so he's interested in land use, he's interested in farming practices, he's interested in soils, you know, generally I'm not that interested in that stuff. And I think more than a decade ago, uh, Carl and I did a trip up there, and, and it was a hot day or whatever, and I just wasn't that impressed. Okay, what am I finally getting to at the 10-minute mark, for goodness sake? On stop four of that trip, we're on this little stretch of old road. We're looking at an arroyo. We see some Mazama ash, some Mazama tephra from, you know, Crater Lake in southern Oregon. That's kind of cool. It's about 50 people on the trip that showed up. Boy, I am scattered here. I, I wanted to do this a little bit more in a more linear form, but I guess that's the hallmark, that this is never linear when we're, when we're doing these together. Carl was sharing a bunch of information in the heart of that drainage. I say stop four. Okay, I'm going to get distracted again. So if, if you, I don't know, have you been to Nick's? I keep sounding like I'm pulling this back to myself. Well, of course it is in a way because I, I, I like to have a some personal stuff here. If you haven't figured that out, that's what I'm doing with these radio episodes. It's a little bit more intimate, a little bit more personal spin on some of this. And it teeters even closer to uh, narcissism 101. But you know, whatever, man. It's 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 the Nick Sentner Geology podcast. What do you want? So if you've ever gone to nicksentner.com, you can go right now, I suppose, if you're at a computer or even on your phone. And the main page has a bunch of panels, like uh, Crazy Eocene A to Z, and then you click on that, and there's a bunch of shows there. Uh, this 
podcast is hosted at squarespace.com. That's really what my webpage is hosted by. So maybe you're, maybe that's how you listen to these radio episodes. You go to the nickzetner.com and then you do that. So there's a bunch of stuff. I tried to get all my activity in one place, nickzetner.com. Well, if you scroll all the way to the bottom on the, on the homepage of nickzetner.com, if you keep scrolling down, you'll get to a panel that says Ellensburg Chapter. And if you click on that, you'll get to Field Guides, PDF Guides. And you can download them on your computer if you want. Or you can just look at them on your phone or whatever. And Carl and I, I think I've maybe talked about this before in the radio episode, but Carl and I, over the years, would take turns. I would do two trips during the year. He would do two trips, field trips, public field trips. They're free. We put these guides together. We take people out, typically old folks, and we, you know, spend a day. We pick Sundays. Sundays, we'd go out and we'd share what we thought was interesting geology. And they worked for a long, long time. And we insisted that they were free, and we insisted that everybody was invited, that sort of thing. Okay, well, that's pre-pandemic, and I know that I've shared this with you before, but I have more visibility now, so if I just hosted a field trip and promoted it on social media and everything else, uh, the, the group would be too big. And that's why I started doing these pop-up things. But Carl wanted to continue with that format. So we had about 50 people show up in a very remote area, and Carl's field guides are very thorough, very long. And if you want to, if you're inspired by this episode, this radio episode, and you want to look at a, a field guide that Carl put together for yesterday's trip, you can go to Glacial Lake Foster on the Waterville Plateau. That's the title of the field trip. June 12th, 2022, Dr. Carl Loquist. Okay. So you're like, okay, I just went there, buddy, and I don't see it. Well, you're right. If you go to the Ellensburg chapter thing on my webpage, those are my field guides from the days when I was leading field trips, and mine were not long, and mine were not full of text. I mean, Carl wrote like a full paper, basically, with all this text and figures and references. I always chose just to be visual about it. But if you go to that Ellensburg chapter, you'll find a link for Carl's field guides, which are hosted on his webpage, also at Central. And so you can get to all of Carl's. So again, you'd be going to hunt for this Glacial Lake Foster field trip guide. Okay, so that's how you can get to that. So on stop four, we just went through a downpour. By the way, I think we're breaking records up on the Waterville Plateau with rain this spring. If not records, it's, it's damn close. That place is as green as I've ever seen it. There were wildflowers everywhere. If you happen to be hearing this uh, on June 13th, June 14th, June 15th of 2022, and you want to see an area that's it's at, it's at, uh, at its peak physical attractiveness, that was a weird phrase, get yourself up there. Out of all the places in the Northwest, I think the Waterville Plateau is the hardest to capture. From my point of view, like even if you did some drone stuff, I don't know if you'd quite communicate how unique that scene is. And I've always meant to do more with it. Maybe I'll do more with it this week. I don't know. Hell, it was so beautiful. I might head back up there in a couple of days. In fact, I will be going up on Friday. So 
Boy, man. All over the place here. One of the 50 people on the trip, general folks, and they drove in from Seattle and Spokane and Chelan and Wenatchee and Portland and everything else. And they heard about it from the email that I sent out to folks on this email list. One of the 50 was Joel Gombiner, who's spending the week, this week, up there on the Waterville Plateau doing field work. Joel is, I don't even know. Joel is finished with his PhD, about to finish. He's a postdoc. I don't even know. But he's done a Moses Cooley uh, dissertation. And whether he's finished or not, he's continuing to work up there. And Joel, we invite, Carl and I Joel invited Joel to come to, to Central to, to give a talk and to um, visit with us right before the lockdown, right before March of 2020. So that was the last time we had a guest give a public talk on campus uh, before the world shut down. So I like Joel. I like the way he operates. Uh, I think he will be good on camera. So I am definitely going up this Friday because at this field trip, I'm like, oh, my God, Joel, I didn't know you were going to be. Actually, Carl said, yeah, we might have Joel with us. So I'm going to go up and film Joel on Friday. I don't know where he's going to take me, but I think it's tied to Moses Cooley. But this Foster Cooley and Moses Cooley connection is what's getting me most excited. Now we're approaching the 20-minute mark of the episode. I still haven't said what I want to say. Here it goes. (laughs) Laughable. At stop four, I'm sitting there, standing there with, with everybody, and they're talking about, you know, native plants and uh, uh, birds and also, you know, this geography thing is all over the place. Most of the time I'm interested. Sometimes I just am not. I guess there was a moment on stop four that I was not. And I wasn't daydreaming, but I was looking up high on both sides of that drainage. And I'm like... That's basalt up there. And that's a that's a high vertical cliff of basalt, way there to the north and way there to the south. This Foster Cooley thing is kind of an east-west structure, which is bizarre in itself. And I just kind of had a little light bulb flash off in my mind. And I usually keep my mouth shut because I have plenty of time to ask questions of the, the field trip leader as we drive out there or as we drive back or next day or whatever. So it's it's a chance for the for the folks on the trip to ask all sorts of questions of Carl, and, th- and that's the case. But somebody happened to ask about basalt because they noticed, I guess, what I was noticing. And so I just took that as an opportunity, and I said, Carl, I got one. I got a question. Is it possible this Foster Creek watershed that you've talked about for years, I didn't say it this way, that you've talked about for years, and I never understood why it was so important, to be honest. Is it possible the scale of this coulee, Foster coulee, with basalt vertical walls and a basalt, a basalt flat floor, is as big as Grand Coulee or as large as Moses Coulee? 
And am I just up high here to the north and to the south, seeing the very tippy top of these basalt walls, and that's all I can see? Is it possible there's this enormous Grand Coulee-like structure here that's mostly filled with dirt? And the dirt has been the focus to this point. I don't know, two-thirds, three-quarters, more of this enormous box-shaped coulee, foster coulee, is filled with lake bed material, with talus, of course. And yes, you guessed it, a portion of Foster Cooley, as you approach the Columbia River, is full of big old gravels, marbles, with different terraces. Now, this is where it gets real good, because Carl lays out the trip, sharing what he knows and what he doesn't know, fine. The first two stops, I think there were just four stops. No, there were five stops. The first three stops were uh, in the eastern part of Foster Cooley, kind of uh, on the side closer to Grand Cooley. You'll have to look at a map to make sense of it. And we were looking at these lake beds, very fine-grained, chalky, white. In fact, I think they're called, a portion in there is called, uh, hang on, I've got the field guide with me here. Oh, the Chalk Hills, yeah. So there's a place called the Chalk Hills. If you if you, if you you get intrigued and you drive up through there, uh, the main road through the guts of Foster Creek uh, scene in northern Washington is full of these shockingly white pinnacles. It's like a Badlands topography. So it's impossible not to notice those. And yeah, I guess that's what I want to say here, that that's what I associated with Foster Cooley, these fragile white lake beds that were deposited at the bottom of something called Glacial Lake Foster, snooze time, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, yeah, there's some tephras here, and we know that we're someplace between 20,000 and, and 13,000 years ago. Okay, well, I, I think I've said in the previous episode as well, I, it just feels like I'm not that interested in that time frame. And you're like, why not? That's the Ice Age floods time frame. Well, I'm Okay, I'm going to finish my thought. Because of Jerome and Sky and a few other tips, and I might get another round of adrenaline talking to Joel, because I think he's thinking along these lines as well this coming Friday, I'm more interested in these older stories, these potentially incredible floods of Ice Age flood water that are hundreds of thousands of years old, not younger than 20,000 years ago. And so I asked Carl, is it possible there's an enormous Foster Cooley on par with the scale of Moses Cooley just to the south of here, that was carved hundreds of thousands of years ago, or at least earlier than 20,000 years ago. And Carl, who's not usually up for brand new thoughts on the fly, says, yeah, I think you're probably right. Which surprised me. But the fact that most of that structure, that large excavated box-shaped canyon, since most of it is not on display, and if you visit this place, you're looking at all this fill, essentially, you're not seeing the main story. We're finally kind of the theme that I'm in lately, which is whether it's Baja BC 
or whether it's ice age floods, or can I think of another example quickly? Maybe the North Cascades and those exotic terrain stories. Ah, I'm not sure that works. It feels like so much of the interest and the work is done on these little postage stamps, is done on these little, for lack of a better term, safe areas. Like, here's what we know. I just got some OSL dates back. We're adding some detail to the stratigraphy in the floor of Foster Cooley with these Glacial Lake Foster Lake beds. And we have a new date coming in that's 17,000 calendar years ago. We have another date that's 15,500 calendar years ago. And some people argue that we're at the, that the margin of the ice when this lake was here is uh, two miles to the north. And I think it's two miles to the south. And I, I guess I'm getting less patient with that. Interesting. It's data. Okay. It needs to be done. But so many of these discussions, it feels like, I'll just pick the Ice Age floods now. I'll try to stay on task, kind of. So many of these discussions in the field, they feel like less dramatic stuff that happened very late in the game. As much as I loved the Brian Atwater experience a year ago, we were looking at these delicate, paper-thin, varved beds that are at the foot of Steamboat Rock. Same idea. Pretty late in the game. Tranquil water. Isn't that after the excitement? Isn't that like aftermath or afterthought geology? And why are we devoting so much time to this kind of, you know, musical coda? This little tagline at the end. Can't we go back to the to the main chorus when, when the band was really cooking? I don't want to talk about the outro. I want to go to the main guts of the composition. And in the case of the Ice Age floods, I wonder if it's the carving, the excavation, the removal of incredible amounts of basalt to create Foster Cooley. I wonder if that's not the main story. And then maybe second to that is how you dump a bunch of material in most of that Foster Cooley, if I'm visualizing correctly. And then, yeah, the, the, little, the little last little flirt of any kind of Ice Age activity are the chalk hills, are these lake beds. So what am I saying? I'm saying that why aren't we talking about the big, exciting chapters that appear to be there that many folks have been either overlooking or maybe even avoiding? And I guess one answer to that, now that I say it out loud, is, well, you know, we're trying to get new dates, and we can only get new dates on these Ice Age flood deposits in quiet places. <laughs> So what do you want us to do? I'm talking to myself now, I guess. Or I'm trying to trying to characterize where the Ice Age floods research is now. These these folks are like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'm imagining like scolding everybody, whatever. Like that would never happen. But 
I'm saying, why aren't you guys going to Foster Cooley and looking at that old structure? Why aren't you going to the Okanagan and looking at all these major structures? How come you're not doing that? I guess one answer would be, well, most of the crucial deposits that date those structures are gone. So what do you want us to do? Just go up there and nod our head and say, yeah, there's a, there's a shit ton of gravel up in this in this area. But I don't know how to date a gravel. How are we supposed to work out timing of this? Yes, we're back to the terraces, by the way. I, if you if you take the time to go to uh, to this PDF of Carl's field guide again, go to Ellensburg chapter at nicksentner.com, then click on the link to get over to Carl's stuff. You'll find it. Where is this page? Yeah, right here. Page twenty-eight. Carl's got at page 28, and the title is Chalk Hills to West Fork Foster Creek. In other words, he's got a page with a Google Earth image uh, just kind of describing the geology as we're driving from stop three to stop four. Figure 22, oblique view toward the northwest of the terrace sequence near the junction of east and west forks of Foster Creek. Terraces are indicated T1, T2, T3, T4. And in the car, Carl's like, well, we're not going to stop looking at those. I don't know. I don't know what they are. They confuse me, which is great. You know, he's not he's not making stuff up. I'm like, I wanted to say, what do you mean we're not going to stop and look at those terraces? That's the most exciting thing in here, man. Aren't these the same terrace levels that are that are over at Brewster? Oh, I don't know. I think I think Hansen back in 1970 was talking about it, but I just don't see it. Yeah, you don't see it. You don't see it because you are like many research folks, not slamming Carl now. I hope you're getting the right vibe. He's a, he's a good buddy. You don't see it because what's the payoff for doing these regional correlations? Okay, there we are, right? What's the payoff to be a Hildebrand guy talking about all these different papers all up and down from Alaska to Mexico? It's risky. You're, you're less likely to be listened to if you're trying to compile or you're trying to make these regional relations work. You're called an arm waver if you do that, which implies you're not doing anything real. You're just sitting back in your folding chair and trying to like make all these connections. If you're if you're if you're not careful, you're going to start sound like somebody who comes into my office and says, "Yeah, I, I just I just found a meteorite and here's what happened and I found the impact crater." I mean, you come off like that among the scientific community, whether you have papers behind your name or not. So you got to be careful if you're thinking on a bigger scale. The risk is you become marginalized immediately because you're not talking about one local area that you knew very well and you haven't devoted 35 years to Foster Creek, let's say. And all I'm trying to say is, yeah, it's a little bit more risky, but why can't you take your stuff in Foster Creek and then go to the next drainage and go to the next drainage and go to the next drainage? Start connecting some dots, bro. Now, to tie it back to what I was just saying at the beginning of this, 
feels like everybody's retiring. I'm about to turn 60. Carl's probably 62. He's in that classroom a lot. He's getting tired of dealing with all the Zoom stuff and all that, you know. That's that's a thing among folks of our age, maybe of all ages, but, you know, it, we are field-based people. We like to teach in the field. And so instead of doing a negative part of that, Carl is starting to think about retiring, which usually is a downer. I mean, I, I think I've gone to four gatherings for people retiring, long-time people here. And I think in all cases, I've gone up to them and say, you know, I'm going to try not to, like, do the cliches that everybody else says because I'm me, you know. And they all kind of smile. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not like everybody else. That's for damn sure. And I say, uh, I'm trying to process how I feel about this. Like, I thought we were really in this together, man. This was important to us. And now you're leaving. <laughs> I literally said that in one case. But I knew the guy well enough he wasn't offended. In Carl's case, on this two-and-a-half-hour drive back home last night, Carl's like, I just love this field stuff. I just, I, this, is, this is my favorite part of it, and I want to keep doing these trips. It's just, it's just a blast. And Carl's thinking seriously <clears throat> in the next year or two about retiring so that he can spend more time in places like Foster Creek. So here's a guy who's wanting to double down or maybe increase tenfold uh, the amount of field work and, and research he's doing just for the pure fun of it. There's, there's no career advancement. There's, he's fine with money, he says, all that, you know. So here's a guy who would stop teaching because he feels like he could do a lot more with this kinds of research. And I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not sure that the way that I think would impact Carl and that he would just continue with those younger than 20,000-year deposits and fine-tune the details. And, you know, that, that's his interest. That's his approach. Fine. But to finish the episode, I think I'm saying I have a weakness for people an affection for people who can make some connections, especially when I think there's a long history of, of connector-type people, big-picture-type people, big-thinker-type people being more out of the scene than in the scene. I don't like that. Let me try it again. It's safe to stay on your little postage stamp. There was a guest I had last winter. I think her name was Robinson Cecil. I really liked her. And maybe I've already said this on the radio episodes, I forget. But she had a quick a quick comment like, it's just safer to, because she was working in British Columbia. She's working with granites in British Columbia, like these granites that are at the centerpiece of this Baja BC thing we're going to be talking about this winter. And she says, to be honest, I just haven't thought much about that because it's just safer and easier to just set up your research questions, just continue your work in this in this area. Uh, she didn't say it this way, but I guess another slant on this is you want to keep your job, you want to keep your funding, you want to keep, uh, you know, motivation to keep publishing in this journal or whatever. So don't rock the boat. Don't think on a grander scale and, you know. We'll call it a career. 
I just, I'm supercharged up and turned on by these folks who are at different stages of their career and they just want to go in that direction. Or they're truly outsiders and they don't even really have a formal job and they're still like, I want to contribute to this for, for whatever wherever they're coming from. And yes, the last thought, it may be obvious to you, but I'm attracted to those folks because in many ways I'm an outsider as well. By choice. I like to do new things in a creative way, and I suppose that's what I feel like I have in common with these folks, even though I'm not doing the research. Okay, that's an episode called Foster Cooley, but as usual, we didn't stick to the geology. We got onto other stuff as well. As usual, it's this radio thing that I don't really have a still a good sense of as far as if these are working for you or not. I don't take the time to look up how many people are listening and that sort of thing. But I guess just casually I've heard from enough people over the last six months that this personal stuff and this scattered approach seems to be working for enough of you that I'll just continue in this vein. It's just a nice thing for me to do. Uh, and I feel like it's serving some kind of role, even though I'm not even sure what the role is. 37-minute mark. That's plenty for today. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to this episode. I love you, and goodbye. Bijou's on the bed. Google it.